We're back with another edition of the Federalist Radio Hour. I'm Emily Jashinsky, culture editor here at The Federalist. As always, you can email the show at radio at thefederalist.com. Follow us on Twitter at FDRLST. Make sure to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts as well. Today, I'm coming to you from Wisconsin with a special edition of the Federalist Radio Hour. As we close out the year, we want to share something with our loyal and wonderful listeners um, that we're most proud of. One of the things we are most proud of from our coverage this year. We've always been very proud of our coverage of schools, of our education system, of parents and their work to uh, defend their children, protect their children, and to improve their experience in the schools. But um, this year in particular, uh, things were sort of boiling, hitting a boiling point in Loudoun County, which is about an hour, a little less than an hour outside of Washington, D.C., We produced a full-length documentary called Meet the Parents, How the Moms and Dads of Loudoun County Took Back Virginia that was filmed um, in the weeks that were leading up to Glenn Youngkin's surprising victory in Loudoun County or in the state of Virginia, I should say. and it was it, it was something that was very surprising to people in the Beltway. We talked about it at length here, despite the fact that Virginia is really in their backyard, <laughs> is the, the state that they've turned blue in their backyard. Um, they really didn't see what was happening, and they still refuse to see what is happening, although some sort of establishment Democrats seem to be waking up. But... Uh, This documentary we want to share with our podcast listeners, we're going to play the full audio of it um, because the parents are remarkable. They have fascinating stories. Some of them are immigrants, some of them are minorities, and they were deeply offended by critical race theory or by um, the the school's handling of transgender policies. Um, And many of them were deeply offended by the COVID policies and continue to be deeply offended by the COVID policies. And a lot of them have never been involved in politics before, never thought they would be involved in politics before. As one of the parents tells us, he'd much rather be, you know, mowing the lawn, barbecuing than babysitting educators and babysitting elected officials. Um, and so it's a it's a really fascinating glimpse at something that is happening all over the country um, that, in fact, the people in Loudoun are hearing from people in Wisconsin. They're hearing from people in other states saying they were inspired by Loudoun County. So we wanted to give you a little taste of uh, what they told us. And uh, b- because we think that it has larger relevance, we think it has broader relevance. We think it's it's really happening around the country in very parallel situations. Um, but these particular parents inspired a lot of that, and what they have to say about their backgrounds and their children and their school system um, can be helpful to people and will just be plainly very compelling um, to people around the country. So please enjoy "Meet the Parents: How the Moms and Dads of Loudoun County Took Back Virginia." And of course, don't forget that you can stream the full-length documentary anywhere on our social media, YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, even on our Twitter. If you're looking for some family-friendly entertainment in these long and wonderful days between Christmas and New Year's, we highly recommend you check Meet the Parents out. It's a great family-friendly option for everybody to watch together. So without further ado, please enjoy this special audio edition of Meet the Parents. You know, and the leaves have barely started turning as a result. That's John Tiggis. John is a local activist who's been hosting informal potluck strategy sessions for other Loudoun County parents in a small room in the basement of his rustic rural barn, which he operates as a wedding venue. 
Over homemade chili and some cold beer, a scrappy group of parents-turned-activists gathered in the basement of John's barn on a warm Thursday evening, just 12 days before Glenn Youngkin's upset victory in the Virginia gubernatorial election. The parents were bullish. With Loudoun County schools at the forefront, education was the top issue, and Youngkin was sounding all the right notes. But their mission that evening was almost simpler. They were going to take back the schools. A team of Federalist reporters, some with deep local ties in Loudoun County, made the drive out to John's barn, where the parents agreed to be interviewed about their efforts. Less than two weeks later, Blue Virginia would vote red. Parents convened at John's barn were activated by a mixture of COVID lockdown policies, critical race theory, and opposition to radical transgender ideology that had been embraced by the school board. Most never saw themselves becoming activists, but that changed very quickly. Meet the parents of Loudoun County because they're probably like the parents around you too. How long have you lived in Loudoun County? Or uh, About 25 years. I have been here since 1982. We, we were first in Alexandria. They moved out to Loudoun County about three and a half years ago. Almost 23 years here in Loudoun. My husband was injured in Afghanistan. He's a Special Operations Green Beret. Uh, he medically retired in 2020. We moved here the year prior because we knew that that was in process and it was somewhere we wanted to raise our children, particularly because we thought the school system was gonna be amazing here. What brought you to Loudoun? Uh, well, after you want the whole story or you want, uh, so after grad school, I tried to make my way south and uh, never made it past Virginia, got married here. I was so young. I mean, these roads were only two lanes mm -hmm. back then. And um, there was a, a significant boom and um, I remember in high school when the malls were, you know, there was talk about the, the blueprint of the, the mall that was going to be put in, so Loudoun County was going to be put on the map. Mm -hmm. I remember there was a point in time where uh, Leesburg was the edge of the earth. And I was working in the county, for the county, uh, and it was time to just uh, bite the bullet and buy a house and come out to Loudoun because it just, I, I thought it was a great place. It was, you know, it's kind of like a the frontier for us, at least. Uh, do you have family in the schools or kids in the schools? Yeah, I have a daughter that's in 11th grade and a wife that's a teacher. I've got two kids that are in Northern Virginia schools. They're grandkids. I have six sons. I got two kids. Uh, I've got a 13-year-old that goes to middle school uh, in the county, and then I also have a nine-year-old that's a special needs child that also goes to school in the county. Is this the first political involvement that you've had or because you, yes. you moved here five years ago is this the first time you've <laughs> yes, been involved? Yes it is but it's, and, and that's unfortunate I, I feel bad about making this the first but at least I'm doing this and I'll, I'll go from here. I've never been involved in politics up until three years ago. Did you go to rallies ever before like Tea Party kind of things or was this your first entrance into activism and politics? Did you say Tea Party? Yeah. Yeah, I was an Obama voter. I was just following politics, but not politically active. I walked a very middle line, and I voted on what I thought was good about the person, and I didn't really look in depth at what these people were doing and how it affected me. The campaigning worked on me, and now I realize the depth of what is happening and how these things play out long term and how they actually affect our communities, especially those urban communities that I grew up in, and how just dysfunctional they are 
It has really moved me over more to the conservative side and I'll never be silent again. I am uh, an engineer by education. I um, am a stay-at-home mom and I homeschool my son. Uh, you know, it's funny, I see all this chatter online from from the, the opposition out here. Yeah, Ian Pryor never voted in the school board election. Like, that's true, I don't hide that. That's, yeah. that's part of the problem. Like, we all have to point the finger at ourselves for not getting involved earlier. I started um, a group called Army of Parents. I spend at least three to four days a week in this fight. I don't live in this county. I don't have a child in the public schools. I have no dog in this fight, but I will not stay home. Well, I first got involved because of the kids being out of school and they were out, I was fighting for the kids to go back to school five days a week. My children were not in Loudoun County Public School at the time. I had seen the writing on the wall. I took them out of school. Uh, never saw myself in politics at all. Um, this sort of came upon me uh, as a result of what's going on uh, with the schools and, and everything with the critical, mostly critical, critical race theory was kind of what got me going. Somebody asked me to take over the Loudoun County Republican Women's Club. So I became the president and we grew from 25 this year to over 450. The first thing that I saw was an article last summer that was talking about using teaching tolerance materials uh, in Loudoun County Public Schools. And you know, teaching tolerance is an arm of the Southern Poverty Law Center. You know, I've worked in politics long enough to know that nonprofits are, you know, not necessarily charitable institutions. Um, and having worked at the Department of Justice, I, you know, know all about the Southern Poverty Law Center. Uh, so I got interested in what actually was going on in Loudoun County Public Schools. I ended up going to Republican uh, meetings, and I joined the Loudoun County Republican Women's Club. Uh, there are a few of us men in there. Uh, just to kind of see what's going on out there, just to see some like-minded folks. I'm a proponent of watching current affairs and current events and stuff like that, and there's certain ter terminology and buzzwords and things that just weren't lining up, and to, to see them consecutively in a row, one after another, just kind of set off red flags, and so I began watching it more closely. It started with the mask mandate, then it went on from there to uh, critical race theory, and then on from there to all of the rest of the things that the school board has been doing to take over and, and uh, cause closed meetings instead of open meetings. They've, they've done everything they can to try to stifle us. We weren't even aware of any of this critical race theory, any of this transgender push, any of these mandates. We were just wanting in-person learning. I was born in Iran and the writing was on the wall for me when I saw what was happening. Uh, the manipulation, the um, the contradictions, the the back and forth, the masks works work, they don't work. Mm -hmm. um, it felt like every time they contradicted themselves, it was to create um, an environment where everyone was pinned up against each other. So they wanted neighbors against neighbors. I even asked my son, I'm like, do you guys see racism here? And he goes, Mom, on the football team, we're just on the line. We don't care what color the kid next to us is, we just care that he holds the line. So that spoke volumes that these children who are innocent don't see color the way adults do. I love the people in my neighborhood. I love that my children have friends who are from all walks of life, all colors, all ages, all religions. This is a wonderful county. And what has happened over the past two years, it really, really saddens me.
it makes me very, very upset, and it makes me fearful for our kids and the future. A year ago at this time, people weren't watching Critical Race Theory. I was. I started my organization a little over a year ago. Um, when everybody was focused on the lockdown and kids um, being you know, out of school and everything like that, my son graduated high school this year, my daughter was in, and I wasn't going to win a fight on, are you gonna get back in school or not? And I could see the trail of destruction starting to, to, to come. Um, I saw it in the spring of 2020. What is critical race theory, and is it actually being taught to students here in Loudoun County and around the country who aren't in college, but are children? Yeah, so, you know, I get asked that question a lot, and I'm going to just define it the way that, you know, Loudoun County Public Schools consultants define it, which is that Western liberalism, meritocracy, and equal opportunity perpetuate systemic racism. Now, is critical race theory taught? No, it's not taught like it's physics or chemistry but it's embedded in the systems of how it, things are taught, right? It's, it works its way into the teacher trainings. Teachers eventually teach our children and they utilize these resources and these concepts in their lesson plan. You know, I wrote this article and said, well, there's some, there's some strange stuff here going on. It looks like they're, you know, using our kids as, as guinea pigs. And, you know, I kind of thought that was the end of it. It wasn't. No, no, it was definitely not the end of it. Yeah, and you want me to just look like right there? I'm not a Loudoun County resident. What I do is work with grassroots teams all across the state and just support parents like the ones here in Loudoun County, uh, equip them when they are go doing things like going before a school board and testifying or want to have a community rally. We stand behind them and offer free resources for that. I also think Loudoun was piling on. I mean, you had parents already concerned about lack of transparency with the sex education issue. Then they're piling on with the critical race theory stuff. Um, then they, right, right in the middle of all that critical race theory controversy, they were trying to push through this transgender ideology, this radical policy, which it was coming from the state level, but they also had their own version of the policy, which was pretty radical, basically promoting transgender ideology into every component of school life. Um, so that's coming on right after the critical race theory that parents were already upset about. So it is a huge pile-on effect. And so I do think maybe Loudon was a little bit, or a lot, arrogant in not realizing this, what was simmering, you know, that is now coming to the surface with the parents pushing back on all this. I think what you're seeing here today, or what's going on right now, is really something that's been simmering for quite a while. And that is these parents continuing to feel like they have this pattern of gross disrespect of, from the school board, a lack of transparency, and almost this paternalistic treatment, and that's all escalated within the last two years, but I think it's really been a process that has been years in the making. One of the school board members, Beth Bartz, who recently res re resigned, started to uh, ask her constituents in a secret Facebook group mm -hmm. to find out who parents were that were going to the school board meetings. A bunch of parents um, had been basically plotted against in this, this private Facebook group uh, that included six school board members, um, the Commonwealth's attorney out here, and a member of the Board of Supervisors. So Beth Bartz went on Facebook, said, poor me, the school board, you know, the parents are not being very nice. And these men and women, they listed probably 40 to 50 of us. Mm -hmm. Our first and last name, 
three pictures of me, who I'm married to, uh, where my son goes to high school. They called me disgusting. They called me a racist. They um, said they were going to come to my neighborhood with a megaphone and call us racist. They said that we were going to, they were going to mail postcards to our homes. This is all started from a school board elected official. Uh, there's a, a school board member by the name of Beth Bartz that put out a call to action to come after me, my family, my organization, uh, my employer, my kids. Um, Ian Pryor, I think, is somebody else you talked to. There's another parent or two in the room that, that were also on the list. Um, and my organization was specifically named. It was specifically named in that in Mitch McConnell's letter to um, A.G. Garland just last week. So and then ensued some death threats. Um, and then recently, within the, in the past month, somebody went after my job. Um, but I still stand. You know, I was put on the list by people that I knew for my Federalist article mm -hmm. and also for speaking up at, at a single school board meeting about First Amendment rights of students and teachers. And, you know, at that point, I, I said, listen, this is this is cancel culture brought to the neighborhood level, brought to the communal community level. And, you know, people have to speak out. A lot of my club members would send me screenshots or videos of things that they uncovered. So during COVID, I would be looming over my youngest son's Chromebook, making sure he's doing his homework correctly. And I don't know if you recall that video that went viral of the Freedom High School student that was being pressured by the teacher to look at what is race. Mm -hmm. And it was a picture of a white girl and a black girl. And the kid is like, I just see two people chilling. Mm -hmm. And the teacher, bullied him into saying what is race and the kids like if I give into this then we're aren't we giving into the separation by race so the kid was very smart my member club member sent it to me I we re-edited it so the children's neighbors were taken out and it went viral and we realized that other parents could respond and and uh, appreciate this my son was shown a video um, which I mean to kind of sum it up it had uh, a young black girl and a young white girl. And the video started off with um, statements about r racism and discrimination. And it, 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 it was disturbing because all the people that were being shown were white. So a white police officer, a white doctor, a white business person, a white nurse. And, and, uh, and then as you go through the video, it, it uh, goes on to say that, um, you know, the little black girl may have gone to school with the little white girl, but she's not gonna get a job, or she's not gonna get the same amount of money, or she's not gonna have the same opportunities. And that was sort of what kind of was the line in the sand for me. That my son was, it was from Brain Pop, and it was part of the material that they used to teach kids, and uh, it was disturbing to see that. I don't, my son doesn't need to see that. So we became organized. And we parents would show up to the school board. You'll recall sometimes we had these um, signs with printed words. We found sexually explicit books. Uh, I mean, my club was instrumental in giving us the anonymous information. We protected teachers. We said, send us this culturally responsive training that they're pushing, and they would send us all this stuff. So I got involved, not because I'm president of this large Republican women's club, but because I'm a mom, and they went after us and tried to blacklist us. Some of the most hurtful things to me are when people slam the country. Mm -hmm. um, kids coming out of college that have utilized the, the capitalist system and the freedoms of America to be able to graduate from college 
and say that America is the worst place on the globe. Just two years ago, I couldn't tell you who our school board members were, right? I don't think anybody around here could, in, mostly across the country. Now I can tell you how much they weigh, right? Because we're that in tune, and I don't mean that literally because I don't want any back that. Um, but that's how in tune we are with what's going on with this with in our communities. We used to be able to be in the room, and then every time we go, there's a different um, procedure. It either starts at four, it starts at five, or it starts at six thirty. We never know. We could be outside in the rain, let in in virtual speak first. Uh, and then the in-person have to wait. We used to have 30 seconds, now it's a minute. Nope, go back to 30 seconds. Uh, then you have to stand on little numbers. They now wand us. They, they take a, a security wand and check us in before we go in. Um, the power that they pretend to have is ridiculous because if you've never done this before, it's very intimidating. I started going to school board meetings. I started trying to understand what's going on in the schools. And then I did some research on critical race theory. So being an, uh, from an academic background, you know, like just engineering, I started reading some books. And I read a book from one of the more prominent authors on critical race theory, just to understand it so that I'm knowledgeable about what I'm criticizing. Did not like what I saw at all. It basically is a reincarnation of racism. We already lived that through American history. We don't need to recycle it and bring it back. I was the, the woman who stood up on a chair at the June 22nd board meeting and sang the Star Spangled Banner in my terrible, horrible voice. But I felt like it was needed because we needed to bring ourselves together as a group. What really compelled me was the divisiveness that has occurred in our community. And it made me really sad. My children are growing up in here, parents, all parents in this community, their children are growing, going to grow up here, and we cannot have this divisiveness. And when the board walked out of the room, I could feel an energy bubbling up that wasn't good. And I just thought, we are one community, we're Loudoun County, and we're all Americans. And what better way to bring us all together than with the Star Spangled Banner. So I climbed up on the chair, pulled up another girlfriend, and I just started singing. And a girlfriend across from me, she stood up on the chair, and we sang the Star Spangled Banner together. And the entire room erupted in the Star Spangled Banner. And did for that surprise you? It did, because for one moment, we were all Americans. We weren't on this side of the issue or that side of the issue. We were one. And I think that's something that we're forgetting as a community, is that if we allow this division to come between us as parents, it will seep into our children. And that's evidenced by the increase in violence that we're seeing in the schools. So we need to come together. We need to be able to talk about what we have in common rather than what we don't in order to find a solution. We've made a recall effort happen. We had one, re one board member quit before her recall because she saw the recall numbers mm -hmm. and she's out. So they hear it. They, we're making a difference. Parents are starting to get really involved and they're starting to say no more. And when your children are being hurt in school, we have to say, what can we do? I think it's this phenomenon of seeing one parent stand up at a school board meeting and read a book out loud, or you know, just one parent and then others started coming along. So it really was that spark of courage that really has ignited a fire here.
I'll be honest, you don't piss off a Cuban mom. <laughs> My parents escaped from communist Cuba, so they taught me to appreciate the freedoms that we have here, smaller government, less restrictions. This kind of attitude reminded my parents of what happened to them. I grew up poor, Hispanic, in the Bronx, in New York City. Um, didn't have any problems succeeding. Nobody held me back. Uh, when I was growing up, my mom said, when are you going to college? Not if you're going to college, when you go to college. We didn't have money for school, student loans uh, and uh, grants and things like that. But I never felt that anybody was gonna hold me back from doing what I wanted to do. And I want the same for my kids and all kids because I think it's, it's reprehensible to tell kids that they're not gonna make it at that young age. The fact that I had my freedom once taken away from me makes me feel as if I was made for this. This is why I've endured what I've endured. Now in Loudoun County, there's probably not a lot of people who have the same story that you have growing up poor and Hispanic in the Bronx, but there's a lot of these folks are pushing the, the critical race theory and the you've got no shot and you, you won't be able to get a job if you're not this bracket or that bracket. A lot of the folks who are pushing this stuff are just white, traditional American liberals. Uh, what's, have, you, have you been targeted for that? Have you been, what's the reaction been, been from them as someone speaking out? I haven't had any harassment or threats or targeting or anything. And I think you have to take a step back from the label and the branding of critical race theory. Um, let's dissect it a little bit. Um, the premise is, has parallels with Marxism because Marxism was a class-based system and this is now a race-based system, but the parallels are clear. They're not, you don't even need to be an academic or, or a historian to see how it ties together. And, and what's disturbing is that Marxism doesn't work. Well, rebranding it with race certainly doesn't work. You can put as much lipstick on a pig as you want, it's still a pig and have a very big problem with impressionable youths being taught that whatever color you are is gonna affect how people look at you, talk to you, and your successes. That is um, one step forward, 18 steps backward. That is going back to slavery. That's going back to discrimination. Uh, that's going back to all sorts of things. I think more Republicans are stepping forward. I think more independents are realizing they need to support Republican candidates. And I really think a lot of soft Democrats have woken up. Many of my club members, I, I, can, call, I can count at least 10 that have left the Democrat party that are now Republicans. So I think there's been a big shift. I don't really even talk about politics because where, where I come from, um, meaning this world pack, is I don't care, right? We have kids. There's going to be Republicans and Democrats and independents and that have kids in the school systems and we're all facing the same problem. So I don't care where they come from. What I care about is their sentiment, their disgust, their disbelief in what is going on. I've seen um, Black parents, Hispanic parents, Indian parents, white parents, um, just a lot of people that are just outraged. What I'm doing with Patriot Pubs is I'm, I'm trying to put a national effort together mm. to go to all these other places where people want to find someone they can talk with. They can't talk with their friends. They can't talk with their people at work because they're on the different side of things. But they, they're exploding with yeah. the desire to say, I, I need to talk to a friend. And what we want to do is we want to go out and first goal is to have 10 pubs 
expatriate pubs in each state. Mm -hmm. So that, it's, it's not that many when you consider the states. And when you consider the people who are there, they, they want to join. Mm -hmm. We're getting calls from Nebraska. We're getting calls from all over the, the country saying, what can we do? How can we do this? This was a big wake-up call for a lot of parents because we took for granted our local elected uh, officials and their role and even the voting process. So this was a big wake-up call. This was a big, like, we can um, mobilize and we can be organized to say no, that the government overreach that they're you know, doing to us is not right. Especially, you don't piss off a mother. Like, these are our children. And we don't co-parent with the government. We don't co-parent with this school board. And they have been nothing short of ignoring us, dismissing us. We've asked for a town hall. They refuse to, to be transparent. Um, so there are quite a few lawsuits. And I'm actually in a lawsuit against them with Liberty Justice Center. Well, if it can happen here, it can happen anywhere. And as you've said, people are, are tired of it. And there are 70 million people across the country who feel like they haven't been heard. They weren't heard in the last election and uh, they want to be heard now. And there are people that are talking or trying to find a way to get together. The losers in all of this are people that cannot get out of the public education system. So it's the very people that the politicians say they're working for that are losing. Are you optimistic? Yeah. It's, it's a long fight. And there's, there's not a singular fight. There's multiple tracks, right? There's the school board, there's the board of supervisors, there's content, there's uh, a lot of different things. Um, but I'm confident we're gonna win in different areas. I'm hearing a lot from other people. You know, first of all, a lot of people are inspired by, by what's happening in Loudoun County. Um, you know, I remember reading, I don't know if it was a reporter that told me or a story, but they asked somebody in Wisconsin a question about, you know, why are you doing what you're doing? And they said, because of Loudoun County. And, you know, I've, I've gotten tons of emails over the past seven months. How can we do here what you're doing there? What is happening at Loudoun is having a ripple effect across the state because other parents are seeing, oh, these parents are standing up against a huge, well-funded um, school board considered the epicenter of liberalism, and they're making a difference. Oh, maybe we can do, you know, we can do that too. Well, I believe COVID was one of the best things that could have happened to the next generation because it forced us to shut down. It forced us to look at our families and look at our kids and pay attention to our school system and what they're teaching them. Bringing them home and allowing us to listen to what they're, what's actually being taught. What have you taken away from seeing that happen that you hope that parents in every county across the country where some version of this many-headed beast is going to rear its head, what's the one thing that you would tell them today about something they need to know? I think it would be um, remember why this country was founded. Remember why we're here. A government, uh, I think it's of, by, and for the people. The government gets its power from us. I'll tell you, when I first started, I was scared. I was scared that people were going to call me names or talk about me behind my back. But it really doesn't matter because you're doing, if you believe that you are doing the right thing for your community and your children and your family, then you have to just stand up and be brave. What's the worst thing that can happen? Somebody calls you a name, you lose your job. That's hard. I understand that. But 
at some point you have to be able to make sacrifices for doing the right thing. And I truly believe that what we're doing is not partisan, it's parents in. It's not left, it's not right, it's right or wrong. I don't believe that what's happening right now with Loudoun County is organic. I think this is all intentional because it doesn't make sense that little Loudoun is dealing with the same thing as the counties in Michigan. And yeah. You know, and this isn't every county that matters. If we want to see a true freedom revolution in America, which we need, it is not going to happen top down. It is only going to happen with local engagement over the long term in communities. The school board has single-handedly almost brought down a party. We're at 18% nationwide of homeschoolers now. I mean, that's close to 20% nationwide. That's huge. We're taking our children back. We're taking the next generation back. We're taking our country back. What I have to say to the left right now, if you think you're safe, you're deadly mistaken. We're in the front line. Once they come through us, they're coming for you. Just because you think you're saying everything that the government agrees with doesn't mean that you're gonna be free. Doesn't mean that you're gonna to get to keep your rights. I tell people over and over again, I much rather would be at home you know, watching TV, cutting the grass, watching movies, just being with my family, instead of having to do this and having to babysit politicians that are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. I was a very middle of the road voter. I wouldn't ascribe to one party or the other. This is really, all of this corruption has driven me more to the conservative side, because I want to be free and I want to make informed choices. One local elected official points firmly to the dawn of COVID lockdowns as the dawn of the movement, the parent-led movement to retake Loudoun County. My name is Joel Gruy. I'm the executive director of Homeschool Legal Defense Association Action, and I am a member of the town council for the town of Percival. You have to start with March uh, 2020. March 2020, there was a two week window when across the nation, the schools closed, okay? Starting, I think it was March 19th. You would not believe how many times I have someone talk to me where they're like, so the final straw was when I, my kid was sitting at the dining room table listening to this, and then they heard a thing, and, and it varies a lot what the thing is. And they're like, I'm sorry, what? And I, there's been story after story where like the parent's head descends upside down over the camera as they're kind of looking over the, they're like, I'm sorry, what did you say? And, and, and the teachers were legitimate. There was talk on Twitter and Facebook and a bunch of different things, and people were going, this is not okay. Parents cannot be in the classroom. This is horrible. And the parents were like, oh, heck yes, I can be in my kid's classroom. They're my kids, not yours. In a sense, COVID shut down public input to things, but it let them see the outworking at the end. And so a series of policies were passed that were, were found to be incredibly troublesome to a, a, a growing component of the parents of Loudoun County. And as they raised questions and they raised problems and issues and challenges, they were met with increasingly strong arm tactics. Here's the thing, I know a couple of members of the school board. Um, not well, but I at least acquaintances or at least one in particular, I believe he is genuinely trying to do the best he can. But the policies and philosophies he's following are insufficient for the problems at hand. They, 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 the, the moment is dire, the need is great, and what's being brought to the table is insufficient for the moment. And the parents are noticing that. And functionally, they're revolting. The only people that I found that are not concerned about what's happening in our schools are the ones who don't know when they bother to educate themselves on what's going on. I haven't found a parent yet who said, oh, it's fine. No, they look at it and they this is not okay. 
I have never seen parents energized in such a way across the political spectrum. No one, doesn't matter what philosophy you come from, no one wants their kids being harmed at school. There's been a bit of a sea change here, really. In fact, if you look at the numbers for Loudoun County, uh, their projected enrollment numbers were off by almost 8,000 kids. You become an activist when you be exposed to something that activates you, in this case. And a lot of parents were activated <laughs> and saying, this isn't okay. And in Loudoun County, we got that in spades. Kim Wright has been teaching in Loudoun County for roughly 20 years. She says change happened slowly, but for her, the point of no return was policy 8040, that policy that let students use restrooms in accordance with their gender identity instead of their biological sex. How long have you been teaching English uh, here in Loudoun County? I've been here for 20, 20 years in Loudoun and two additional years outside of the county. As someone who has taught here for, for 20 years, has it always been this way? My own children went through Loudoun County Public Schools and it has not always been the same way. It's I used to absolutely, I would be so proud that I worked for Loudoun County Public Schools. I thought it was a first class education that you were getting and we really stuck to just teaching the children and loving the children and taking care of the kids and it was fantastic. So when would you say things changed? Uh, it's been a s slow change but over a long time and I don't know if I could pinpoint exactly what happened. Uh, I know it culminated at policy 8040 and that was where I feel like there was a lot behind that and that took us down the road to get to get there but that was the policy that really was unsettling for me and kind of the icing on the cake where I had to just say, I, I need to stand up and I can't do this and, and I need to speak out and take a stand on this. Uh, but there, there have been changes, slow changes over the years as, as well. I, I'm there to take care of these kids and I've always had a good rapport in my classrooms and here I am gonna have to lie to them about something that is based on, you know, un, there's unsubstantiated evidence and uh, to have to affirm something that is just not true and I just couldn't do that. It's okay to speak up and I really encourage parents and teachers you know, to be watchful of what's happening in the school system and there's nothing wrong with reaching out to teachers. As teachers, there are a lot of us that would love to hear um, if, if something is unsettling from the parents and speak up for your children. You know, these are your kids um, and we're here hopefully to love and take care of them and you know, there's nothing wrong with speaking up. Monica Gill says COVID lockdowns were a, quote, microscope into the classroom. Parents didn't like what they saw. When they tried to speak out, they were ignored. My name is Monica Gill. I have been a teacher for, this is my 27th year, I believe. Um, teaching in Loudoun County, I think this is my 20th year. Um, losing track a little bit here and there of time. But um, I have been teaching high school the entire time. And um, I teach currently US history and advanced placement government. COVID hit and that became um, uh, just a real microscope for parents to be seeing what is going on in their students' classrooms and they were starting to see some of the issues both with critical race theory as well as the transgender ideology and parents were really becoming a bit alarmed about that and I think they were also frustrated along with me and other teachers that they just were not being listened to by the school board and that prompted me to write um, a article for an op-ed piece for the Federalist about what was really happening in the teacher training and 
particular and just talking about it in terms of how the training really is this um, it's, a, it's a trickle down indoctrination. They're targeting the teachers. They are imposing the ideology of critical race theory as the lens by which we are expected to uh, teach kids how to view the world and how to view one another. It encourages kids to look at each other as oppressed or oppressor completely based on their skin color. And it really is encouraging kids to discriminate against one another. Um, and so that I think is very upsetting for myself and a lot of parents who are looking at this and saying this is not teaching kids the right way to navigate their relationships with each other. Personally, I would say for me, the biggest, um, I guess, you know, joy is the parents and the students who have come to me and said thank you. I get many parents who stop by or emails or who will see me, you know, just at the grocery store and say, you know, I don't know who they are, but they know who I am because they've seen the stand and they just stop me and say, I'm so thankful for you and I'm thankful for the stand that you're taking and, you know, we're behind you. I wish the rest of the country knew um, how powerful and important the parents are in this movement. You know, I think obviously, you know, with the media the way it is, depending on which media you're watching, you're probably getting a very slanted version of parents and their reaction. And I think the reality is that this, um, having Loudoun County in the spotlight and seeing our parents on the move for the good of their kids has been really a wonderful thing. And I think it's been a good thing for our nation to see that it's important not to be asleep behind the wheel of the Republic. It's important to be engaged in democracy and civil society. And I think for a long time, parents were just sort of expecting that things in public schools were moving along fine. And Loudoun County parents are doing an amazing job of stepping up and saying, hey, we are clued in now to what's going on. This is not okay. And we are going to be engaged. And we're, going to not, we're not going to stop being engaged in this because these are our kids and they matter to us more than they do to anyone else, especially to, you know, bureaucrats and the school board. So we are fighting for our kids um, and they're doing it in a positive way, in a good way, and uh, a way that I think will really end up blessing this community in the end. After WTOP reported on an email from Loudoun County Public School Superintendent Scott Ziegler proving he knew about the sexual assault of a female student in a bathroom at Stonebridge High School, parents packed into an October 26th school board meeting to express their anger. Months earlier, Ziegler had claimed no such incidents had occurred as the school board worked to pass Policy 8040, which lets students use restrooms that match their gender identity, not merely their biological sex. The student from Stonebridge was transferred elsewhere and reoffended. Over here, we've got uh, supporters of the school board, and then over here, you'll see uh, people here to protest in opposition to the school board's actions. Have you heard anyone speak in support of the school board? No, and I, I, mean, I personally know. I think the first like 20 or so speakers, it might be a, a name or two, I don't know, and the, there's the first couple people are not. I was a Fairfax County resident, just moved to uh, Loudoun last year. Uh, I have a son in Loudoun County Public Schools. And, um, you know, I, I thought you know, Fairfax was getting a little out of control, so we moved out this way. And you know, this is even more ridiculous. I, I consider myself an independent. Like I said, I, I just moved last year. But uh, the, the longer I'm here, I can't believe uh, what Loudoun has become. It's, uh, 
just a shadow of itself. As long as I live in Loudoun, um, I will be coming to, to the meetings. I will be supporting the parents. Uh, my name is uh, Chuck Izzo, and uh, I'm, I live in uh, Percival in, in Loudoun County. I'm here today, uh, like a lot of these people, because I'm, I'm, I'm very, very upset about what's happening with the Loudoun County Board of Education and, uh, and about all the recent happenings, especially with them allowing these two sexual assaults in our schools and the way that the cover-up happened and the, just the lack of integrity. I'm a parent here in Loudoun County. I've got two kids in the system. And, um, I'm here like most everybody is, that we are basically upset and repulsed by the actions of our superintendent and the school board members for denying the actions of the assaults of the two young girls who are now going to be permanently scarred for the rest of their lives. Unfortunately, and fortunately, I've been involved for the past 20 months. I actually stood on these grounds 20 months ago and helped to fight to get our schools back open for education. And that kind of, like most parents, opened our eyes to actually what was happening here in the county. And, you know, when you have two kids here that are constantly exposed to everything going on, all you can do is fight. My name's Nick, this is Crunchy. We're to support the cause against them, because yeah. usually they weren't... Especially Ziegler. Especially against Ziegler, because he knew about that rape charge over in a month ago. So, they called us um, domestic terrorists, so is it your NSPA and Ziegler, sorry, good enough, you must be fired. You lied to promote your agenda. Do you guys go to Loudoun County Schools? Not anymore. No? So why are you here tonight? What did you tell the school board? Um, I'm here because I'm concerned about the public safety of the public schools in here in Loudoun County. Is that, is that what you told the school board uh, just now? Yes. Well, is this your mom here with you? Uh, yeah, that's my mom. Hi. Do you, do you want to weigh in? I don't have to turn sure. the camera to you. I'm a volunteer with Fight for Schools. So mm -hmm. I started coming to the board meeting about a year ago, I guess, when uh, school Washington, D.C. All of the women standing behind me and near me are radical feminists. Most of us are Democrats. We come from all over. Several of us are from Richmond, Virginia. One of us came down from upstate New York. And we are here because we are on the political left and we stand in support of female-only spaces. It's done in darkness will come to light. You guys are public servants. In the United States, the sovereign is the people. WTOP broke the story about Ziegler's email literally while we were interviewing the parents gathered that night in John's barn. They were feeling both vindicated and furious. The vindication provided a spark of hope. They were right, and that had made all the difference. And you guys feel like you're winning. You said that earlier, that was really interesting. You feel like you're winning. I think we've made it. Picked up the momentum. Yeah. Well, it, it helps all the time away from our families, all the nights. I mean, it's incredible because it's allowed us to bond. But I think it's so worth it, though. But it's allowing us to really. You know what's amazing about this? 
Our founding fathers and the government that they created tonight, it validates what we're capable of. Mm. Mm. When we get engaged. Yeah. And unified. When we get engaged. Yeah. Unified. Well, we, sure. once we know we have the power to do so, and that's what, that's why COVID was the best thing that happened to us because it allowed us to educate ourselves and come to the realization that we have complete control. A third world country doesn't have this kind of control. Mm. And you know what? Our civil rights, our liberty, our freedom, it's just like a muscle. You don't use it, you lose it. Mm. And that's where we are right now. The key has been not anything high tech, but people getting once again in the face-to-face relationships with each other. And when people have each other's back, courage develops. Mm. And uh, that courage becomes contagious. They've awakened a sleeping giant. All right, you've been listening to another edition of the Federalist Radio Hour. I'm Emily Jashinsky, culture editor here at the Federalist. We'll be back soon with more. Until then, good lovers of freedom and anxious.